0: And welcome, welcome on this great Sunday morning. You are here live with Dr. Jeff Warber on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vet's with Dr. Jeff, and um, we want to hear from you. It's a live show, the only live show on Pet Life Radio. And it doesn't pay to be here live if you're not going to call in and ask us questions. You can either join in on the conversation at PetLifeRadio.com. Uh, you can give us a call at 877 385 But we find that it's better to join in on the conversation as Sarah has already done this morning. We're going to get to that question in just a bit. And once again, I want to thank our sponsors, ProSense Pet Products, the veterinary quality products that you can find over the counter uh, at partners like your local Walmart and Kong Toys. So, we've been having a series going on of late of different organ systems. We were talking about the endocrine systems, and we told you that this week we're going to take a little break because it's holiday time, it's gift time. And, you know, When we think of gifts, we don't think of the kind of gift that we're going to talk about in just a second. And to help us do that, we have a very special guest, Dr. Danny McVitie, a uh, graduate of the Veterinary School, University of Florida. And she and her partner, Mary Gardner, have come up with a service and it's a whole different concept, and it's really emerging, and it's so new in veterinary medicine. And as you know, she and I have discussed over the years, something that I've been doing for years, and yet it wasn't an accepted or known practice, and it has become. And uh, Dr. Danny and Mary started a service, and it's called Lap of Love. And the gift they give is a little bit different than the gifts that you and I might think about when we think about our pets. And what's so interesting, and why holiday time? is that it seems that they get very busy this time of year. And it was so interesting. I was talking recently, I'm, some of you know, I've talked about it. In the last four weeks, I've had two of my cats down. I had to say goodbye. And, uh, you know, very tough. One was 18 and a half. You know, God bless him. 18 and a half years old. I'll take that all day long. The other one, unfortunately, my Zoolander had a congenital defect called renal aplasia. And though he was only 11, his kidneys were like 19. And that was really, really tough. But when I was mentioning this to my associate, Dr. Gary Adams, he said, he goes, holiday time. And I go, what what do you mean? It's a a trend. And we're going to talk about that right now. So Lap of Love is a great service growing by leaps and bounds. They have um, offices uh, pretty much now all over the country. And they have a specialty. And their specialty is in-home hospice and in-home euthanasia. And here to help us discuss this amazing gift is uh, Dr. Danny herself. Danny, how are you doing?
1: Good. Dr. Jeff, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing okay. So tell me, how did you go from, because I find this, as you know, we've spoken about this so fascinating. Where did you realize the need and how you can help people and pets in sort of a less traditional way than the way I help the pets? How did this Wrenches? brainstorm come out?
1: Well, you know, it is, it's just like you said, it's something that you and veterinarians have been doing for generations. And now we've, we've just kind of started to accept it, you know, as our dogs have gone and cats have gone from the barnyard into quite literally our beds, you know, under our sheets, sometimes to the chagrin of spouses, (laughs) but you know, our pets are are becoming part of our lives and part of our families. And and as such, the service and level of care that we give them is going to continue to evolve and change and, and grow. And I volunteered for human hospice when I was in, in college and it's just the most amazing organization the values that human hospice provides the acceptance of death and looking at death as the opposite of birth not the opposite of life as part of the life system that death is not the failure of medicine but it's a natural progression of biology and getting into veterinary school and, and watching how sometimes you know we shun away from this word euthanasia even as doctors we feel like it's a failure on our part to have to euthanize and just like you said, Jeff, the the euthanasia is the greatest gift that we can give a pet when that time has come. It's quite literally the greatest gift. And then for veterinary hospice, we also look at the greatest gift that we can give the family is the ability to say goodbye in the most calm, loving, compassionate, in-home, end-of-life experience that quite literally medicine has to offer. And Yes, yeah, so that's what we're focused on, and that's what we're dedicated to doing and providing.
0: You know, I, well, my first, and I have shared the story with you, but you know, my first experience in in-home euthanasia was not planned, not at all. It was, <laughs> I got a call from an elderly woman who was living alone. Her husband passed away a number of years earlier, and she had this very, very old German shepherd that was failing. Dog was about 13 and a half, which for shepherd, is, you know, is very old. And she could not get this dog up. She couldn't, she had no help. And she called me one morning in tears because she knew it was time. And her neighbor wasn't there. Anyone who can help her. She didn't have any grandchildren or or kids around to help her. And she felt helpless. And I can hear it in her voice. And I said to her, I said, you know what? Let me ask a question. If you can wait a few more hours and just sit with him, I'll come over to your house and I'll do it at your house. And she was so thankful and so appreciative. And I figured this was going to be a one-shot deal because never before have I even considered Going to someone's home because I don't do house calls. I'm not a house call doc. I, I'm not equipped for this. And uh, I went over there and I kind of put together a bag of all the things I think I would need. And I, you know, I felt like the old doctor country doc going over with my, you know, <laughs> the bag in my hand and my doctor's bag and my stethoscope. And the dog was lying on its bed, its favorite bed, and couldn't get up. You know, the tail gave a couple of wags when he saw me. And I sat down with the owner. First of all, we talked and celebrated this dog's life. Not so much mourning over the death but celebration over the life and how wonderful this dog was for her when her husband passed away and how badly she did not want to see her dog suffer unnecessarily knowing that it was his time and we sat there and we talked and we reminisced and i went ahead and i gave the injection in the the dog's favorite room on his favorite bed with his favorite person with him his mom and It was the most amazing experience for me as well. And As I drove away and I took the dog with me and I, and I wrapped him up in a blanket and I put him in the back of my car to bring him to my office and we had him cremated, I thought to myself, oh my God, this was amazing. This is the way it should be. Now, I often joke, I get more tongue than anybody I know. My patients love me and yet- even though they, they still know they're coming to the vet, they still have smells, they might have anxiety, there may be a shot. Yeah, they love me, but they may not always love the experience. Why should that be their last memory? And when I heard what you guys do, I was so impressed. But a couple of people have mentioned, and even you have mentioned, like, oh, my God, it's holiday time. What is it about the holidays that seems to have you guys even busier?
1: Yeah. 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 And it's a very interesting thing that as veterinarians, we, you know, we'll go around and around and around. Like, what is it? You know, why is there this big kind of there seems to be a rush before and then on the actual Christmas Day or Thanksgiving Day, it's very, you know, there, not many people are going to request that. And then right after it's a huge rush. And I think it's a it's a, a combination of many, many different things based on the family's personalities just in general. And one of them would be, OK, you know, son, daughter come in from out of town. They haven't seen their childhood pet in in nine months. And they come back like, mom, dad, what are you doing? How don't you see that Fluffy's lost like 45 pounds in the past, you know, three months. But mom and dad don't see it because they see Fluffy every day. Right. So they don't see that natural progression. They come home and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, we have to do something about this. Or vice versa, you know, mom and dad think "Oh, we've got to do something. Fluffy's getting, you know, really bad and, and son or daughter want to wait until they get there to see to say their last goodbyes. And then they get there and all of a sudden like, no, what are you doing? You can't do it yet, not yet, not yet. But then another couple of days go by and then son and daughter see what mom and dad have been seeing and then all of a sudden we make that decision. But I do think it has a lot to do with the families being around and being together and just like you said, we go into those homes and we celebrate the life. For a family to be there with their pet, their childhood, you know, literally family member, it's, it's the best experience that it can be. I think a lot of it, and it's, it's very, very interesting because, you know, as a veterinarian, we get this question. And this, is, this question is only presented when the family actually has the, um, for lack of a better term, kind of the guts to ask. But they think that, okay, I have to leave for a week. I have to go out of town for a week. But my 13-year-old Labrador that can't get up and move around anymore, I don't want my neighbor to have to come over and, and deal with this. What if something happens while I'm gone? And we have to give them permission and guidance as veterinarians on what is the best for that pet. You know, because there is an added level of anxiety when mom and dad aren't there for the yeah.
0: animal. Well, right. you made a really good point. And that is, and I find that sometimes we need or people in that position need that that reinforcement that what they're doing is okay they want to hear it from somebody else interestingly and i i've had an absolutely last night a saturday night many people are going out and having fun or going to see movies or going out to have dinner and i was in someone's home putting their cat to sleep and one i mean we knew i I did a house call for this cat because this cat gets really 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 freaked out when it goes to the vet and um so i was there actually earlier in the week to take blood and urine so we could because i i felt that this cat was having its it was time and um, obviously, we needed the confirmation. So I took the blood. And sure enough, it came back. Severe kidney failure. And I told them basically what was going to happen. And it was going to happen soon. And they were about to move actually this Tuesday. And they were so worried already about the effect that this move was going to have on this cat. And they just needed that help to make the decision. And I think your point, and it's interesting when I talk to my associate, who is just practical as they come, that was his point. He says, you know, the kids are coming home, family's coming over, and they are seeing what we don't see. Yep. because we're there every day. And, you know, that's why, interestingly, having made the mistake, I think, and, and, and I've heard this said often, um, I'm sure you know, Dr. Alice Villalobos, who, who does a lot of this as well, the hospice and the and home care. She said that you can easily make the mistake of waiting a two or three days too long, Yeah, but you can't make the mistake of doing it two to three days too early. because what is two days? When you look at the life of that pet, when you look at the 13, 15, 18, 19 years, what Mm -hmm. is three days?
1: And you've seen it too. You've worked with families so long. I have never, not one time in the thousands of families that I've helped ever had someone say, I am so concerned. I feel so guilty that I did it too soon. It's always the other way. Absolutely. Always, I feel so guilty that I wait because you put them through suffering that they didn't have. What was that, that famous quote? I'd rather help a friend a minute too early than a second too late. Right. You know. So, yeah, I mean, it's, there's and needing that reinforcement and the gift of knowing that it's okay. It's okay. And, and we even say, you know, if you want to wait until the very, very, very last moment, knowing that you absolutely have to eke out every single, every single second with your pet, you must understand that you're risking an emergency situation. But if you want to guarantee the most peaceful, calm, loving, compassionate experience, that medicine has to offer. That's what we do. And that's what we can do.
0: And um, we're going to break here for a second. We want to come back. I also want to talk about some of the hospice things that you do. And then we also have to uh, get a question or two in from uh, one of our listeners. If you have anything you want to ask, talk, question about the process, about euthanasia itself, what your fears or concerns are, go ahead and, and log into to PetLifeRadio.com to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff Tab. And right there, you're going to see a little box that says, join the conversation, as Sarah already did. Go ahead and join us. Type in your question between the two of us. We will get that answered. So uh, please uh, stay tuned. We'll be back in just a few minutes here on PetLifeRadio.com. Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff, with me and Dr. Danny McVitie. We'll be right back.
1: We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned.
0: This is my tired of itching face. Does your dog suffer from persistent itching and scratching? Allergies and skin irritations caused by environment, including pollens, insects, especially fleas, food and common household allergens are common problems in dogs. It's easy to alleviate your dog's discomfort at home with ProSense. ProSense itch and allergy products provide fast relief from symptoms like itchy, irritated skin, skin infections like hot spots and watery eyes. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense Today, your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense.
1: There's nothing more delicious and healthy than an old family recipe. And for over 50 years, our family's been creating them especially for your pets. Nutrisource Super Premium Pet Foods. Dog and cat food that's all natural, holistic, and organic. Nutrisource Pet Foods contain our patented Good for Life system for your pet's optimum health and well-being. So order now. Safe, quality food made by our family for your furry family members. Go to NutriSourcePetFoods.com.
0: From our family. My name is Brent Atwater. I'm considered the world's authority on animal afterlife, animal life after death, and pet reincarnation. And that's sort of a good thing because there are a lot of people out there who secretly want to know about this, who are in their hearts believe this, and who have questions. And one of the things we try to do is answer questions. Come on down and join us. I'm looking forward to answering your questions on Alive again. Every week only on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You are here live with me, Dr. Jeff Werber, and my special guest, Dr. Danny McVeedy of Lap of Love, Veterinary Hospice, and In-Home Euthanasia. And, you know, before the break, we were just talking about the process and about the fears that many people have about it. And veterinarians, it's like such an unspoken concept. Nobody likes to talk about it. And yet, I just have to read, I just got a holiday card from a client, a family that I put their dog to sleep in their home, uh, took care of their dog for many, many years. And, you know, you read these and you realize just how special this time is for not, I mean, certainly for the family, of course, for the pet. It is a gift. And let me just read this to you. It goes, Dear Dr. Wilbur, again, thank you is not enough for your kindness, caring, and generosity. We really, really appreciate what you did for Macy. We love you. You know you are a vet forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, How cool is that? And what kind of things, you know, who sends a thank you note when you give a great shot? When you do an amazing, they go home after the spay. You know, we don't get thank you notes for that. But go to their home and put their pet to sleep with compassion and kindness. And it's a different experience. And these are the notes I get them all the time. It is unbelievable. You, your experience must be the same, isn't it?
1: Oh, the same thing. And, and, you, and you know, I mean, as, as veterinarians, we talk about it all the time, that you don't get the thank you cards for the two o'clock C-section that you did. <laughs> you're so proud of yourself that you can't believe you saved every puppy in there. And you You did this most amazing, incredible orthopedic implant that you just... You just learned it at school or at some conference. Or, you know, this amazing thing that it, to us is incredible. You don't always get a thank you card for that. Even, of course, the families are thankful, but they expect you to do that. Right. That's expected. But when you give that family an emotional hug, when you're there with them with compassion and love and empathy, and when you share those special moments with them in a way that they don't expect, that's when you gain that rapport. And that, that, that's when you touch them in a way that they don't expect to be there.
0: And also, so we talked about. For and I totally agree. I want to talk about for a second about hospice, because you know, when my mom was in hospice before she passed, and you know, I know what it was like, and it was a very long you know, dragged out kind of concept. I mean, she used to joke all the time that, you know, when, when she got to the point that I should bring home that pink juice, which is, we know what that pink juice mm-hmm. is. It's a euthanasia solution. Obviously, you know, even though now it's legal in some states, it's not here in California. And plus, I wouldn't do that anyway. But the key is, tell us about Hospice for Pets, how it's different. What is the goal, etc.
1: So a hospice in general, just as a medical term is palliative care and palliative means comfort oriented, not curative. So the difference is, okay, now, you know, we are going to be managing symptoms. So let's say a cat with renal failure, you know, we're not really doing things that are trying to reverse that renal failure or, um, let's take a better example, you know, bone cancer, something Mm. like that. We're not trying to cure the bone cancer. We're managing the symptoms that affect the pet such that quality of life is, is improved. So that's what palliative care is. In, in human medicine, obviously, just like you said, we don't have the availability of euthanasia in the same capacity that we do in veterinary medicine. And so that veterinary hospice is not inclusive of euthanasia, but it's something that we, it's a way of looking at the case via comfort-oriented measures until the family elects the euthanasia process, basically. So that is what veterinary hospice is. And, and um, and you know, what we do, and this this kind of goes for really all aspects of life, but When we're looking at veterinary hospice and helping the family evaluate quality of life and how we can improve quality of life, just like human hospice does, we look at the four budgets. And this is how I explain it to the families that that we help as well. Everyone understands financial budget. You know, that's an obvious budget. But we also have the emotional budget. You know, I mean, sometimes we are emotionally drained and we're allowed to have that. Physically drained, you physically, just like that family that couldn't get the 100-pound German Shepherd up, you physically, you have a budget. You can't get that pet up to go to the clinic, to go outside for the bathroom. You know, it's things that would otherwise keep that pet perhaps a little more comfortable. And then, of course, the time budget as well. You know, we don't always have the availability of intensive nursing care for our pets, again, in the same capacity, in the same way. So we talk about those four budgets when evaluate quality of life. How can we manage the symptoms of the pet until the family elects euthanasia or, or a natural death occurs, you know, of course, as well. So it's not about extending suffering. I think that that's a common misnomer, that veterinary hospice is about ex- extending suffering in a pet that should otherwise be euthanized. But it's, it's not at all. It's not at all. It's about, you know, and Jeff, if you let me share you a, a story real quick. I was doing emergency medicine. So when I first got out of veterinary school, within a couple months, I started Lap of Love. But I did emergency medicine. And the day that I knew that, that there was a place for veterinary hospice, it was about 8 p.m. And an old woman came in with her cat. And she had about a 19-year-old cat. The cat was dying of, of renal failure. You know, I, I told her, I said, you know, your, your cat is literally dying. And the process of death has already started. And I talked to her, you know, at great length about the quality of life and about what we could do and what we couldn't do. And she just did not want the cat euthanized. And then finally, towards the end of the conversation, she said that her two other cats had died that exact same day for the past two years in a row. Wow. I mean, you can imagine that. And that's why she didn't want that cat euthanized on that day. This was, again, at 8 p.m. So we discussed it, and she would rather the cat die of natural causes instead of euthanasia. And at this point, you know, based on the the, the cat, it, it really was time to alleviate the suffering. I mean, that's in our veterinary oath is the, the relief and prevention of pain and suffering. So long story short, she was beside herself with the idea of euthanasia. So I set her up. We did pain medicine um, for the cat, a heating pad, some fluids. We made this cat as comfortable as could possibly be. And I told her at 1201, I'll be coming in. We're going to euthanize. And she was good with that. And she sat there for four hours and loved on her pet and read magazines and talked to her and, and everything. And it was it was amazing. At 1201, I walked in and we euthanized and she gave a big hug. And when I gave her a hug, I said, do you want me to call you a cab? I know this is a really tough time. She looked at me and she said, no, that time was exactly what I needed. Uh, And so to me, that's one uh, of the most perfect examples of time. And whether that is four hours or it's four days or it's waiting till the son or daughter come back in town or the spouse gets back in town, whatever it is, it's that time that she needed to come to terms with the process that was happening and the availability and utilization of euthanasia at a very appropriate time.
0: You know, it's interesting you say that. I, for years, have talked to younger veterinarians, talked to my associates and clients. I'm saying, you understand that... At this time, Bowser's ready. Mm-hmm. So we're treating you. And that's okay. Yeah. I say I often it's gotta be that you have to have that emotional readiness. You have to be be prepared. And what you don't want is anyone kick themselves in the butt a year later, two years later and saying, Only if I would have. Only if I should've tried to you know, and so oftentimes I will let an owner know that if you said to me you're ready, I'm ready. I don't think the pet is suffering, but this is what we need to do because I wanna make sure you're ready. And then in essence, what I'm doing is hospice. I'm giving the fluids. I'm giving the pain medication. I'm, we're just, as you mentioned, it's palliative. It's just to soothe the pet, to minimize any kind of discomfort, to minimize or remove any kind of pain. And until we get to that point where the owner is ready, where they're comfortable with their decision, because man, guilt is the worst thing. And by the way, guilt goes both ways Absolutely. in the sense that I once before with my, which I mean, you learn from it. When I had to make the decision recently with Zoolander, by the way, if you guys want to go to my Facebook page to Dr. Jeff Werber, I wrote a tribute about Zoolander, about my cat, who was the most magnificent cat on the planet. But the reason why I knew when it was time and I did not wait was because my old cat before that, uh, several years ago, was a cat named Sushi, this oriental short hair. We had Sushi and Saki. We had two (laughs) oriental short hairs. And it was time for Sushi, but we kept, you know, every time... You're treating a cat, you're treating a dog, and they have a good day. Our natural response is, oh, my God, we're on to something. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. No, 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 no. It was a good day. We all have good days. We all have bad days. It was time. And when we finally said goodbye, we all looked at each other, and my son especially, and he goes, dad, we waited too long. Mm-hmm. And oh, my God, did that affect me? It. Just, and he's right. He was 100% right. And you realize you get more philosophical. The more of these you do, the more you see, the more pets you have, you know you're going to lose the battle anyway. So why wait until you actually lost it? Why not say goodbye when it's time, when you notice and you know there's no way to win this one? Gather together as a fam, talk about it, and you do the right thing.
1: And you know, there's a trend, Jeff, that I started seeing probably about a year or so into the veterinary hospice practice, is that the families that are going through it for the first time, so this is the first time that they're going through the end-of-life decision-making process for one of their pets, they tend to wait too long. And that's not my opinion, that's their opinion of the experience after it's said and done. They tell me, I waited too long, just like your son said. And it's interesting and in that that's now one of the first questions that I ask the families when we go into any type of hospice or euthanasia service at all. It's one of the first questions that I ask is, have you ever been through this before? Because if they haven't, I will tell them that. I said, you know, it's, it has been a very common trend that if it's the first time, they tend to wait too long. And that's what families tell me afterwards. It's like it's almost like you're waiting for that written note from your pet saying, OK, mom, OK, dad, I'm ready now. You know, but you're not going to get that. You know, you're just not going to get that written letter from your pet saying, "Okay, I'm ready. And instead, we have the responsibility as pet parents, as owners, you know, whatever we identify ourselves with. We have that responsibility to make that decision, not just based on stopping suffering that's occurring at the moment. You know, I love when people call me and say, well, he's not suffering yet. My next statement is always. But do you want him to be right? Let's not only stop suffering that's occurring at the moment, but prevent it from occurring at all. Again, in our veterinary oath, it says the relief and prevention right. of pain and suffering. So we can, we can say goodbye on on a good day. And, and yes, you need to know how to handle that guilt as a pet parent. And as veterinarians, we go through that ourselves. You know, we go through that guilt or process the guilt and handle the guilt of pushing a plunger and, and assisting the death of a live being. We mm-hmm. all All us veterinarians have had to work through that and we all have our ways. As parents, it's it's different because you feel like you've made the decision and if you make it on a good day and I, I, when families say, but it's, it's a good day, I don't know what I should do. I would say, you know, but what a way to go though. I think it's wonderful to have a wonderful day and to then say goodbye in the best way we can possibly, you know, and, and make that be a competent experience and a loving experience instead of one that we're rushing to do and then regret that they had to go through suffering in the first place.
0: Right. You know, that's so interesting. And it's so, you know, when I talk to a lot of people and, and they hear my veterinarian, and I'm sure you've gone through the same thing, oh, God, you know, oh, I always want, when I was a little kid, I want to be a veterinarian, but I don't know if I can, how do you put them to sleep? Right. And, you know, when you have these experiences and you really see, as I call it, the beauty of euthanasia, the gift of euthanasia. You realize how wonderful you are to that pet. And it really does. It's such justification for, yeah. you know, it's it's always hard. And I tell the owner, it's going to be difficult for you whether we do it today or I do it next week. That's a gimme. But why should the pet have to wait that week when right. Right. he or she's yeah, ready and, and, and- now?
1: And, you know, euthanasia literally means good death. Right. That's that's what euthanasia means. You know, it, right. it is euthanasia, which is good right. death. And that's what we're providing. That's what it is. And it is. It's the most, it's the greatest gift that we can give that pet. And the relief of that guilt or the, the assistance with that decision is the greatest gift that we give the family. And it is. And, and everybody says it, Jeff. I mean, every veterinarian, this must be the hardest thing you have to do. And this is all that I do. <laughs> right. I choose to do this. This is right. my choice to do this. Right. And not only to do it, but to teach other veterinarians how to do it also. So yeah, whenever they say that, if ever, because of course every single family I help says you must hate doing this. I always look at them straight in the eye and say this is an honor to be here with you because you will never forget any moment of this appointment. I don't forget any moment of the times that I've had to euthanize my own pets. I lose pets too. I'm a pet mom too. And I don't forget it as a single second. And for me to be part of that memory with those families is an honor, a flat-out honor. It's not something I pretend that doesn't happen. It comes with a great deal of respect for what we do as doctors and what it means.
0: Well, I totally agree. And I thank you so much for joining us. Our time is up. It goes so fast. If anyone has any questions for Dr. Danny or me or anything about this subject, please go ahead and send me an email to drjeff, drjeff at petliferadio.com. You can also call us here at 877-385-8882. And um, real quick before we go, because I know our time is up, Sarah um, asked you about acid reflux in a golden doodle. And they, do they get acid reflux? And the answer is absolutely. And it usually happens when or sometimes when they have an empty stomach, sometimes middle of the night, early morning, late, late night, they'll spit up phlegm or bile, they'll, they'll lick their lips, they feel nauseous. And a couple of simple solutions. Number one, feed a late night snack before you go to bed, save about a third to a quarter of dinner till about 10 o'clock at night, give it late. So there's something in the stomach as they go to bed. Uh, You can also put them on a simple like a Pepsid and figure out the dose with your veterinarian. It's about a half of a milligram per kilogram body weight. So, you know, a big dog might take uh, a big dog might take 20 milligram. Usually it's a 10 milligram over the counter Pepsid AC or, you know, any fraction thereof. Give it about 30 minutes before a meal. And that should help, again, solve the gastric reflux problem. It's usually not a problem. These dogs are otherwise happy, healthy, eating well, have normal BMs, stool. Everything else is perfect. So try that first before spending a lot of money at your doctor. If you have any questions for sure, go ahead and um, send me a note. Anyway, thanks for joining. I want to thank once again our sponsors. I want to thank ProSense Pet Products. I want to thank Kong. Um, Sarah's going to get a free ProSense and Kong toy for sending us a question about the golden doodle. I want to thank Dr. Danny McBeady for being here. Uh, She and I are going to be together at the North American Veterinary Conference coming up in a few weeks. And our show is going to be live again. So if you have any questions saved up, Um, She'll be our guest again at the conference, and uh, we can talk more about this amazing, sensitive topic. But, man, is it important. For all of you, have a wonderful new year, and uh, we will see you back. I'll be here next Sunday. Be well.
1: Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.